Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us in worship. Uh, there was a, a little bit of fear and trepidation about the, the crowd today after the weather last night. Um, was it rough where you were? Uh, we actually had some tornadoes in, uh, in Suffolk. It was kind of wild and crazy. Um, and we accept full responsibility for the weather. Um, I, I found our head deacon today, and I, uh, one of them, and I said, Scott, the pastors put the deacons in charge of weekend weather, and I don't know what's going on. So they've been rebuked. It won't happen again, but I actually do see a little sunlight out there through the doors. But listen, we, we are glad you're here. I know some are visiting, seeing mothers, and um, you know, in town for, for just the start of summer vacation. We are really glad to have you. Um, I also just add my uh, welcome and our love to mothers. I want you to know that as, as one of the pastors of this church, I deeply appreciate who you are and, and what you do. Um, you can look around this room. You can look around your families. Our world is a better place because of what you do, moms. And we, we love you with the love of Jesus and a, a whole lot of love from inside of us. So uh, we're going to bless you. Hopefully you're feeling that way today. Uh, I would also welcome you this morning back to our One Word series. These are key words in the Christian life. So, in other words, these are words that we've got to understand, we've got to know. They are essential to the faith. Without a firm grasp on these words, you either will not live the Christian life at all or you certainly won't live it well. So this is an important summer series for us. We're glad you joined us. Um, how many of you were here last week for, for uh, Fred? One of our elders, pa- uh, I almost called him Pastor Fred because it felt like it after, after his message. But Fred preached to us last week an amazing message and a very tender message. Yeah, woo, the woo is deserved. Uh, another one, there we go. Let's just add that. Fred, these are like a, a bouquet of roses we're going to give to you. But it was an amazing and a very tender message about unity, oneness, us as a family, life together, and just how vital it is to the church of Jesus Christ. Listening to that sermon, I know we we all got the point that without unity, we are not going to accomplish the purposes um, uh, that, that God has for us. We will never get there. We will never be the church that we read about in Scripture without unity. Um, Jesus says this to us, doesn't he? When we look at his high priestly prayer in John 17, when he comes to the Father, and you'll remember in the prayer, he prays first for those around him. He prays for his disciples. But then Jesus goes on to pray about us. He prays about the church in every generation, every era and epoch of believer that will ever come. And here's what's on Jesus' mind for the church in the days ahead. Father, may they be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, may they be brought into complete unity for a purpose so that the world will know that you sent me, and if you have loved them even as you have loved me. Unity is a burning mandate on the heart of Jesus for his people. Um, even conversely, Jesus speaks about this. Uh, Mark three twenty four. he has something else to say about unity. Many of you will remember this one. He says, a kingdom, any kingdom, a house, any house that is divided against itself cannot stand. 
And out of the Greek, it's not an optional cannot. It will not stand. And so at the end of that message, y'all, we got it, didn't we? We are called to oneness. We are called to life together, to one mission for one Lord. But there is still a question that remains after the sermon. And it's, it's not because Fred didn't fully develop the theme, but there was a question on the heart of many of us. And it's a very practical question about unity. And it's a one-word question. And it only has three letters. And it begins with an H and it ends with an OW, right? And the question is how? How do we come together? How do we, the church of Jesus Christ, all become one? It sounds wonderful, but practically there are some things in the way of unity, aren't there? I mean, you look around the room right now, there, there are differences, aren't there? We are not all exactly the same. I mean, we have different ages, different genders in the room. We have different family backgrounds, different education levels. These can be obstacles for us, can't they? We also know in, in the church we, we have this other thing that, that often, always, bubbles up in its preferences. We all kind of have a certain taste for things and the taste isn't all the same. You know, a preference for worship, a preference for ministry, and how anything gets done in the church. That can get in the way of unity, can it? Good, I see a few nods. Amen to that. You're on track. And then there's this other thing that we bring in, in, into this, this unity factor, and it's, uh, it's baggage. You know, we all come into the church, into the Christian life. We continue on in the Christian life with a little bit of baggage. And that's not just you. It's also true of pastors and leaders. But we all have different hang-ups and bang-ups. And so it's very easy to hear a message, and a wonderful message like Fred preached to us last week on unity, and, and, and still kind of when we get out of the room and, you know, we can kind of be ourselves to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, you know, it, it, it's a great idea, this unity thing. It, it, it's, it's a wonderful, you know, ideal, and, and, you know, it sounds great, but God, it feels like you're, you're asking us to, to step up to home plate in Fenway Park and hit a home run with a plastic bat. A great dream, Jesus, this unity. But, but God, is it realistic and is it practical? Can this be done in the church? And the answer from the Word of God, all over the Word of God is what? Yes! Absolutely, it is more than possible for us to become one. But it takes this little thing that we're going to talk about today called humility. Unity comes from humility. Humility is an absolute must for all of us for unity to happen. And I'll tell you, without humility, the church will never unify. It just won't happen. Now, we all know you can have church, but what will happen is the church will end up existing, kind of running a gerbil, well, a gerbil wheel, you know, we'll kind of maintain, but to really thrive and to be the kind of community that Jesus calls us to be, we've got to have this thing called uh, humility. Uh, movie fans, in other words, here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that humility and unity go together to quote Forrest Gump like peas and carrots. They just do. And, but I also know that, that this topic of humility, it kind of brings up a little inner ugliness. 
You know, it kind of, you hear the word, and you go, oh gosh, we're going to talk about humility. And the reason we have that reaction is because we all struggle in the area. In fact, if you want to raise your hand and say, you know, humility is not a problem for me, you just prove that humility is a problem for you. So we all live there, right? Amen. We do. So here's what I want to do. I want to back into it gently. We want to ease into humility. I'll give you a couple of surface level facts about humility, okay? And this will get us started. Now, number one, here's, here's one of the first rules of humility. If you are from the deep south, okay, or you have spent any time living in the deep south, you already know that if you are truly humble, the word, uh, at the beginning of the word, the H falls off, right? It's not humble, it's humble. Has anyone ever experienced this? It is absolutely true. In other words, the first letter of humility is like your pride. It is silent. It is non-existent. Um, the second fact about humility is this. It is like patience, okay? In other words, you never pray for humility unless you're praying that God will humble somebody else, okay? That's, that's how it works. Um, for example, like Pastor Mark, you know, we all know that he desperately needs humility, so it's okay. If you need a poster boy, no. Um, no, but it's true. It's just, it, it, it can be a little daunting to us. So let me take you now to the Word of God, and we want to hear what the Lord has to say to us about humility. Today, the Apostle Paul is writing us uh, from Philippians 2, 1 through 11. He writes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any, comfort from his love. If any, common sharing in the spirit. If any, tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we, we come to you today and we are so thankful for the Word of God, the life-giving Word of God that changes who we are. And we thank you today just for the ability of your Word to cut through joint and marrow, to pierce the very heart of us. And Lord, every one of us, is, we struggle in this area. Father, humility is not something that comes by nature living in a fallen world. God, I, I, in all honesty, just between you and I, I even felt a measure of hypocrisy even preaching about humility. But Lord, today we thank you that you are speaking to us, God, that, that Lord, you would come and you would reshape and fashion and remold us into, Lord, uh, vessels of greater effectiveness than ever before. So, 
Lord, we open the doors of our heart, Father. We, we just open the shade before our eyes. Lord, we unstop our ears by faith, and we say, God, speak to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so why did the Apostle Paul feel the need to write all of this to the church in Philippi? Um, it's a really good question to ask because if you know much about the Philippian church, this was a church that had a whole lot going for them. You know, uh, in terms of, of it being a church plant that was succeeding, uh, their resources, we, we hear of good ministry, a lot going on here. The reason is despite their many strengths, there was a growing friction and frustration in the Philippian church. And this is between them. And here in verses three and, three and four, Paul points out at least what two of the problems were, at least two of the root causes. And we, we read those words that convict us right off the bat, selfish ambition and self-interest. In other words, what, what Paul is saying to the church here is church, you've had a great start. You know, you, you, you've moved forward, you've made a difference, but very slowly something is happening to you. And what is happening is that your main thing is slowly becoming yourselves and it's kind of ceasing to be him. The focus is beginning to shift. And if this continues, if this, if this continues to go on, you guys are going to end up coming apart at the seams. So, so this is the problem in Philippi. Now, I know what you're all thinking. You hear that and you go, wow, thank God. I thought it was going to be something else because this is obviously a first century problem. You know, this is something that only happened in the ancient Near East. We don't struggle with this kind of thing anymore. We have outgrown this. Not exactly, right? Um, Paul writes to them about something that, that, that still is an issue in the church. And so that's why he starts the way he does in verses 1 and 2. And he says to them essentially, listen up folks. If you, the church of Jesus Christ, if you really have experienced the love of God like you say you have. If you have experienced unity with Jesus and, and unity with the Holy Spirit, if, if, if you're tasting and, and growing in the love and the compassion of God, then what I ought to be seeing in you is not selfish ambition. It's not self-interest. What I should see when I look at the church is I should see one heart. I ought to see one mind. I ought to see the same passion, the same purposes. I, I, in other words, you guys should be like this and not like this. And so Paul loves them enough to confront them with this. And, and so we kind of understand what the issue is. But then Paul goes on to talk about something. And I'll go ahead and just issue a warning, okay? Kind of a, kind of a, kind of a warning disclaimer. What Paul is about to talk about next is not very American, okay? Um, in other words, this does not fit real well with the flow the rhythm, the ideas of our culture and our society. But what Paul is about to talk about with them is the secret of unity. He is about to tell them the one and only way that they can come together and do life together and be effective for God. And so he says it at the end of verse 3. We must embrace humility. And this is not a selective we, okay? This is not a this half of the room we. This is all of us. We, the people of God, have got to embrace humility. 
And just so you know, humility from the Greek is, is a beautiful word, and the word is tapinos, okay? And tapinos means this. Tapinos means lowliness of mind, all right? So it is lowliness of mind, and I know when we hear that, we can, we can kind of have some alarm bells go off, you know, so, some warning, warning sirens can go off, but understand what Paul means about lowliness of mind. He is not saying that, that to have a lowliness of mind, a humility, that means that we berate ourselves, or, you know, we, 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 you know, we hate ourselves, or we condemn ourselves, or we, we flog ourselves. Tapinos does not mean thinking poorly of yourself. Biblically, what it means is more like not thinking of yourself at all. I know, it's not very American, right? I mean, boy, what are we taught in our life and in our culture? But to pine us, is, it, it, this lowliness of mind, it is taking our egos, okay, our ambition, our agendas, and actually putting them down and instead picking up the needs, the interests, and the welfare of others. I said others. Paul said others. Well, who does Paul mean by others? You know, it might be nice to know exactly who we're supposed to aim this at. I, I think you already know the answer to this. It's the same others that uh, Jesus gave to, to the lawyer. Um, others is everybody. It's actually everybody in our world, everybody we encounter. It includes God the Father, and it includes all the people that we share the planet with. So now instead of, if we're going to do this, instead of, instead of me mattering most, he matters most. And they matter much more than I do. Again, verses 3 and 4. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you instead to the interests of others. It's radical, isn't it? It's a real challenge, isn't it? Especially to, you know, 21st century Americans. You know what we're all about. And even as you hear this, you're probably thinking, you know, I feel like I've heard this concept before. These words are familiar. Well, they should be because these are the words of Jesus to us, aren't they? Uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Listen to what Jesus says. Love the Lord your God with part of your, no, all of your heart all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second commandment is like it. It's love your neighbor as yourselves. So you see, when we really begin to lock onto this and to get this, we, we, we realize that this humility thing, it, it, it is a challenge. It's a really big thing. It's so counter-cultural. But ideally, here is how it's to work, just in very spiritual, practical terms. With this type of humility, obeying the, you know, what Paul is saying here and the greatest commandment, we are to love God with everything that makes us who we are. And then with that love we experience, we simply turn and we love the world around us. We love our neighbor as ourselves. And even that little phrase, neighbor as ourselves, it's very, very easy to try and do this with that and say, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, so here's what that would look like. Instead of me doing it this way, uh, one for you and two for me, what Jesus is driving, driving at is he wants me to, to, to change that and say, okay, one for you, one for me. 
Not exactly. If we're going to really walk this out and step into it, it's more like, okay, one for me, two for you. Two for me, three for you. In other words, loving our neighbor as ourselves is loving our neighbors as we would have loved ourselves in the first place. It's preferring them, as Paul says here, above ourselves. It is taking the very nature of a servant when it comes to everybody around us. I know. It, it, it really does leave you speechless. I agree with you. I mean, it's, it is a big, big concept. But before we throw up our hands and just say, oh my gosh, that's impossible. I want you to know this. It has been done before. And that's actually Paul's point now as he goes on to Philippians, uh, in, in Philippians uh, 2, uh, 5 through 8, he gives us an example of someone who has lived out this humility and lived it out successfully. Does anybody want to guess what it is, who it is? It's Jesus, right? He, Paul points us straight to Jesus Christ as the one and only example of humility in action. And this is big, okay? So get ready. Paul continues on and he tells us to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus who in his very nature, and here there needs, I wish there was a hard stop in Scripture. Okay, so we, we, we couldn't even read any further until we had stopped and considered because here's what Paul is saying to us. He says, I want you to stop for a minute and consider Jesus who in his very nature, that word is huparchon, okay, and it means Jesus in his very essence, in his core, all right, in, in, in the very depths of his being. Uh, what, what Paul is talking about here is that part of a person that cannot change. It is unalterable. It cannot be taken away. Jesus Christ in his aparchon, in his very nature, he is essentially, unalterably, unchangeably 100% God, okay? That's who Jesus is in his nature. And yet, when he came down here, Jesus did not exploit that. He didn't exploit it. He didn't use it. Jesus instead laid down his true identity. He laid down his divine rights. He laid down his ultimate authority. And, and, and again, let's stop and consider this. I mean, Jesus Christ created the world. He is coming to this world. Everyone in the Gospels, I mean, what should all of creation do when Jesus comes? It should bow down and worship its creator. That's the setup here. And yet, Jesus laid it down. He could have dominated us. He could have elevated himself above us. But instead, he renounced his divinity. And Jesus humbled himself. He emptied himself. Jesus became nothing. He came to this earth and for 33 years he looked just like you and me. And listen, y'all are good looking and all, but I, I just assert that in heaven we, we probably got a little more together. But he came and he took our nature. He looked like us. And Jesus came and all he did for his, for his time of ministry is put us first. He ministered to us. He served us. He loved us. He healed us. He called us back to God. Jesus in every way was 100% obedient to the Father. And again, this is the creator of the earth. And he becomes a servant 
to his earthly creation. Wow! Do we, we kind of get humility? I mean, th- th- it is incredible just the, the scope, the vastness of it. But the thing is, in the end, Jesus not only served us, he sacrificed himself for us, didn't he? I mean, Jesus died on the cross in place of his entire creation. He laid down his life in an act of humility and lowness. And we can ask the question, that the heart question, why? Because the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came with one thing on his mind, and that was to seek and to save the lost. And he didn't do it, you know, without any kind of result or reward. Look around the room today. Look at the reward of Jesus' humility because it's all around you. Save lives. We are evidence, we are the fruit, we are the reward of the humility of Jesus Christ. So just say that to yourselves when you're having one of those bad days. This is who you are. But Paul goes on to tell us that there was another reward. You know, that wasn't the only reward of Jesus' humility. He ends the passage saying this in uh, verses 9 through 11. He says, therefore... In light of everything we just talked about, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's incredible. And I'll tell you this, Paul is also restating a principle here, and we don't want to miss this, that is all over the Word of God. What Paul has just told us is a principle, and it's that exaltation always follows humility. Have you ever noticed that in Scripture? It's everywhere. I'll give you just a couple of examples. Uh, James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will do what? He will lift you up. Uh, Psalm 147.6, the Lord sustains the humble, but he casts the wicked or the proud to the ground. So this is what we're talking about. Okay, this is the dynamic of humility. But, but even at the end of all of this, I know it is still tempting to hear all of this about humility today and said what Fred, to us, uh, Fred said to us last week about unity. Do you remember that? Fred went all the way through unity and then he said, okay, but this can still leave us feeling a certain way. And that certain way is, well, God, I hear you about unity, but I'm just not good at it. Well, do you remember what Fred said after that last week? He said, yeah, but the Holy Spirit is good at it. And this is why we, as the body of Christ, we put our noses and our minds on the Word of God. This is, this is why we worship. This is why we say yes, we obey, we enter into life with the Holy Spirit. Because there is a unifying principle of being connected to the Spirit of God. Folks, it is the same way with humility. We can hear all of this today and say, yeah, Lord, you know, great message. And I even, I even amen a couple of times, God. But the bottom line is I'm not good at it. Well, maybe you're not. I am. No, no, I'm kidding. We can say that. We really can do that. The bottom line is, though, Jesus is good at humility. That's what Paul has been telling us here. Jesus Christ is a beautiful example. And, folks, when it comes to, to humility, you are in Christ. You know, you belong 
to Jesus Christ. Christ is our example. He is our Lord in the very same way with a life of obedience and worship. Humility is there for the taking for the children of God. It absolutely is ours. So just as only Jesus Christ can unify his church, it's only in Christ that we can walk in in humility with Christ inside of us. Shaping a new heart, creating a new you and me as we embrace his word and, and we lean into his love. And I know that when we talk about his love, it is, again, a foreign concept. It, it is radical. You know, we're, we're talking about love as God defines love for us. You know, a, a, a love that is here to seek and save. For us to step into that kind of love. Um, for, for us to, to, as a church, to be here, not just for ourselves. I know sometimes growing up in the church, I felt like, well, we've got a really good thing going on for ourselves, but what about as God defines it, with the church here for the sake of the world, that kind of a love. A kind of love that puts God first and others above itself. A love, a love so great and so humble that lays down its heart. And that's what we see in Jesus. Now, I know though it would be good if we could think of some kind of an earthly example, okay? Because, you know, Jesus is aiming pretty high, right? It would be really, really great today if somehow we could think of just some type of, of, of good example of humility. Um, I was praying and thinking about this on Tuesday and I looked at the calendar and I went, oh my goodness, Pastor, how about the mothers in the room on Mother's Day? You, you know, our moms are the most incredible examples of humility. Uh, mothers humble themselves even before this starts. For nine months, they humble themselves and they sacrifice their bodies to bring their children into the world. You know, for the next 18 plus years, and yes, there is almost always a plus at the end of those 18 years, uh, mothers continue to serve their families in such humility, especially with these little children, um, and, and we can get a hand on this, these little children who humble mothers over and over again, deeply, day in and day out. I mean, is, is that or is that not right? Even night in and, and night out. It's sacrifice, you know, it's inconvenience, it's noise, it's craziness. It's rarely appreciated as it should be, in fact. In fact, I, I'm petitioning the governor right now in the state of Virginia to change it from Mother's Day to Mother's Week or Mother's Month or maybe Mother's Decade. I mean, we, we, we could do this better, right? Um, but listen, uh, even this is me talking about mothers I thought, you know, I bet they can even speak to this a little better than I can. So why don't we just roll that little surprise we got up here for the end of this thing? Okay, cool. Whenever you're ready. All right. What does motherhood mean to me? It just means more of everything. More, uh, more pain, more joy, more love, more... Um, happiness, just more of everything. Every, every, everything that you, I had in my life before I became a mother um, just intensifies. It to me is the greatest honor God ever bestowed on me and asked me to do the greatest responsibility 
the greatest privilege, the best thing I ever did was raise my three children. And now I get to see how my children are raising theirs. And we have eight grandchildren. Um, sacrifice is the one word that comes to mind. Um, sacrificial love. Uh, I never knew how selfish I was until I had a child and realized um, how much sacrifice it takes to be a mom. Motherhood is just more, more of, of all the good, all the hard, just everything that makes life wonderful. So anyway, that's what I think. Amen. They said it very well. Paul says it here very well, but I'll just, I'll just add this to all of this about humility today. There's an incredible reward for humility. We see it again in Jesus in all of our lives. But I want you to just stop for a minute and imagine a church where everyone preferred everyone else. Just stop and just, just get that in your mind's eye where personal agendas and power plays and me first, all of that faded into the background. You know, where pastors and, and leaders were, were not seeking to be enthroned <laughs> or to rule or uh, to, to, to wield some kind of ultimate authority. But instead, the church is a spiritual family with the same mindset and heart set, each generation preferring and honoring the next, all of us together honoring Christ, honoring one another, and even honoring and loving the lost that are outside of those doors and have not yet come to be a part of the church. Just a place where we are communing in the love of God together, rejoicing in the love of Christ, and then just extending that. Can you see that in your mind's eye? Folks, I'm gonna tell you this, that would be a church that would so change the culture and the community. And I tell you, for us, that would be a church. I can't remember which network it used to be. I think it was NBC. It was Can't Miss Television. That would be a can't miss, uh, a can't miss church, a can't live without church. That type of community, that type of spiritual family. Let's not just imagine it. KPC, let's be that kind of church. Let's... Let's step into it. And listen, I'll go ahead and brag on you a little bit, but I can't do too much of this or I'll take the pressure off, okay? You got, as a church, the strides that we have taken toward the community, toward one another, and I could list them off. It's incredible. But just remember, the church at Philippi had a really good start, and then they just kind of started sliding back. Let's not have that slide. Let's continue to press in and to pray, and to bless, and to love, and to prefer in Jesus' name. Deal? Deal. Deal. Okay, all right. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I, I love these challenging parts of Scripture. And God, I thank you that you do call your church to the impossible. And yet with you, all things are possible. I thank you, Lord, that you call us to those high places as your people that we can only reach with you. And so Father God, we give you permission to, to, to just 
open up and, and take a good look for your Holy Spirit to shine the spotlight of your grace and your gospel on every part of us. Father God, in Jesus' name, we want, we want to be not just a good church by modern day standards. Lord, we want to be the church that you call us to be in Scripture, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, stand up. I'm going to give you a benediction today. You need, yeah, I got a good one for you. Receive this today. Micah 6.8. He has shown you, old man, and that is an old man and an old woman, absolutely, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, church? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We love you. You're beautiful. Go out in that humility and make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.